I hope so. If I don't need a Bible, I can get up to preach. That's a problem. Um, it's one thing to be able to, if I can quote all the scripture, I can guarantee you I cannot. Um, so, uh, but I'm glad that we have the word of God. Um, last week was kind of interesting. I, was, I wasn't really planning on doing a, a series through uh, the book of John. But uh, uh, it's in- interestingly enough, the Lord just kind of laid upon my heart as, I was, as I've been reading through John, studying through John, especially this, uh, these, these chapters here as we're looking at the, the last days of Christ before his crucifixion. And uh, it's, uh, the Lord just really has been speaking to my heart and uh, just reminding me of, of uh, the importance of some of these truths. Last week, last Sunday afternoon, if you weren't here, you missed a really interesting service. We, we had a feet washing. Um, I washed uh, two of my boy's feet, and Ezra took it upon himself when he, when he asked if he would volunteer, if he'd be okay with it. Uh, he decided to go make his feet really dirty. <laughs> so he went outside and put dirt inside of his shoes and walked around barefoot, in, well, walked around in his shoes with dirt in them, to make, and they were black. I, I washed them off, and the first I, I put water on them, and the water just turned black. It was it was kind of gross, was, but uh, uh, but we were talking about the lesson to serve. It was, it was a lesson in service, and I talked about our greatest example of service was in Jesus Christ, and and uh, and uh, we won't get uh, go back into that completely, um, but we will talk about some of those things because because today we're going to talk about a lesson in in love. Uh, it's interesting, uh, as we look at the teachings of Christ, some of these things, he taught the disciples, but he reminded them again, just before he, he, he left, the, left the earth, some of these things are very important. And, and he had already told them that they were to love, back in Matthew chapter 5, he said that on the Sermon on the Mount that they were to love their enemies. Uh, so, so if you're to love your na- enemies, I, I, I can almost say for certain that God intended that you would love your brothers and sisters in Christ, amen? Uh, but but he, he reminds them that they're to love one another, and, and, but he did that after his act of service. Can I tell you uh, that the two are tied together? That you can serve somebody out of hatred, but if you really love somebody, you're going to serve them. Well, if you're going to love them like Jesus loved them, we're going to get into that here, here in a moment. But uh, let's go ahead and... and uh, We'll read, the, we'll read the passage, we'll uh, pray, ask God to help us, and we'll get right into it. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your love for us. God, I thank you for your instruction and your word, the example that Christ has given to us. And God, I pray that you would help us uh, to take a look at our own lives, Father, at, at how we love. I ask, Lord, that you might direct uh, my words, I pray that I wouldn't say anything out of turn, anything of my own, Father, but everything that would come out of my mouth, I pray that it would, Lord, that it would be directed by your Spirit. I ask, Lord, that you would help our hearts to be tender and, and, and soft, Lord, to the, to the teaching and the moving of your Spirit, that we might, uh, uh, would, if needed be, Lord, that we might be corrected. And, Lord, if need be, we might be encouraged and strengthened. But, God, I pray that you would have your way with us. Lord, we are your people. Lord, that we, we bear your name. Lord, sometimes we, we, we bear, while we bear your name, we try to go our way. And God, I pray that that would not be the case today. Lord, I ask for your, for your help today because we need it. Lord, your word tells us that we can come boldly and ask. Lord, in your presence, Lord, because you are glad to help us in our time of need. Lord, we need you. Help us now. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So this is right after the Last Supper, or just kind of lead us into the into the teaching. Uh, at the beginning of chapter 13, uh, verse 1, says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end, and supper being ended. What's he talking about, supper being ended? They're talking about the Last Supper. They've, they've gathered around the table for the Last Supper. Uh, uh, they, he, Jesus has has humbled himself and 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 uh, rose from that table, picked up a bucket, grabbed a towel, uh, gird, took off his his coat, girded himself uh, so that he could then wash the feet of the disciples. And and the Bible tells us that he washed uh, the feet of all the disciples. And 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 he said if he didn't wash, their, Peter tried to refuse it. He said if you don't let me wash your feet, you're not part of me. So he washed all their feet, and then, uh, and then he tells he tells Judas as they're sitting there, uh, and he may have had a conversation with John. It's only recorded here in John about the the dipping of the sop of the of of, of the, the bread. But uh, he he says that whoever I uh, give the sop to, that's going to be the one to betray me. And he tells Judas to go ahead and and do it. So Judas is now left. It's just Jesus and the disciples, and 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 uh, those that uh, those that were closest to him, and and uh, and uh, he's uh, he's beginning to to teach them a few things and to share some truths with them. And sometimes it's it's just a reminder. But I, I praise God that well, God knows that sometimes we need reminding. <laughs> we we can be thick-headed. How many of you ever have always gotten everything the first time and make sure you did it right after that? Nobody. Yeah, well, then we're all in the same boat. You're like you're just like me. We can be a little thick-headed sometimes, and and believe me, the disciples weren't any better. But here, uh, but here in verse uh, verse thirty thirty uh, three, it says, "Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, as I said unto the Jews, whither I go, ye cannot come. So now I say to to you, he, he says, listen, I, I, I'm going to be leaving here, and you're not going to be able to come with me. The, now the, the disciples had heard him tell that to the Jews, the Pharisees, and they didn't like, they were okay with it, they couldn't come with them. But now he's telling that to them. That, listen, I'm getting ready to leave, and you're not going to be able to come with me. They, they didn't really truly understand, that, uh, yet uh, they didn't grasp uh, that, that he was going to go to die. And we know that because Peter later says, No, Lord, I'll go with you right to the death. I'm going to be there. But can, I, but can I tell you that Jesus is trying to reveal to them some truths, some very important truths. And here he says, I'm getting ready to leave. And listen, when we're getting ready to leave, what do we do? What, is, what does we normally do um, when we're getting ready to leave a group of people uh, that we've been leading? Uh, any parents leave your children alone? Ever leave them a list? No, well, we don't. My wife's going, no, we, there's no way we leave our children alone. They're, they're, they're not old enough. But as you leave, your children get older, uh, you may leave them a list of things. Uh, here's a list of phone numbers to call if there's a problem. Here's a list of, of, of chores I want you to do. Here's a list of things that I, don't, I want you not to do. Right? We, we, uh, we sometimes leave lists. Listen, uh, Jesus, when he left the earth for the, for the final time in the Great Ascension, gave them the, 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 uh, the, the Great Commission. But here he's getting ready to leave, and he's preparing them for that. He says, I'm going to be ready to leave and they're starting to get upset and worried but Jesus gives them a a, 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 a new command it says here in verse 34 something that they need to remember when he's gone because he's, I'm not going to be here to remind you of this. Now we know in the other accounts uh, of the of the Last Supper that before, not only did Jesus serve them uh, before that, but before he served them, they were all arguing. And they, what were they arguing about? Who was going to be greater? 
You're going to be the one to serve me because I'm going to be the one sitting at the right hand of the Father or right hand of the Savior. And unless they're arguing about who's going to sit in that position instead of uh, having the mind of Christ and humbling themselves. And, and here says, listen, you need to remember this. This is important. So we see a, a command that's been given to another. It's not a new command. It says a new command I give you. But this command to, to, to love is, is not a new command. What's the number one, what's the number one uh, command that Jesus said, or what did he just say was the number one command? Thou shalt love God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. What's number two? Love thy neighbor as thyself. In fact, uh, you can't get away with not loving anybody in Scripture. I heard this story of a man who came to his pastor and said, listen, pastor, uh, I'm really having a hard time with my wife. And I've heard this is a true story. The pastor was Vadi Bachman, and he he relates this. A man came to him and says, listen, I'm having trouble with my wife, and you don't understand. I'm struggling with with this, and I really think that it would be okay for me to to divorce my wife. And he says, says, no, the Bible says you're to to love your wife. But she's not really like my wife to me anymore. We live in the same house. We're like neighbors. He said, well, that's funny because the Bible said you're still supposed to love your neighbor as yourself. And he's like, he's like, but we're not even like good neighbors. We're like hate each other. We're arguing all the time. You don't understand. And Jesus said, he says, body of said in Matthew chapter 5, 34, he said to love those, to, to love them that despitefully used you, to pray for those that abused you. Listen, there is nobody in this world that we are not commanded to love. So this isn't a, a new command, but it's an extension of an old command, and it's, it, it, it's the standard has been raised for us in this command. So, so we see this, this, uh, this command that's been given. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. He raised the standard. The, the, the old standard was, that if, if, uh, back in the Old Testament, that if uh, uh, your neighbor took out your eye, you could take out his eye. Flesh for flesh, pound for pound, right? You could, if the, they killed somebody in your family, you had every right to kill them. Well, what's the Bible tell us now? Jesus changed that standard. It was no longer okay to, 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 to do those things. So you look over with me to Matthew chapter 5. This is talking about our enemies. And if we were to treat our enemies in this way, then we need to be very careful how we treat one, treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. To raise, we see that here the raised standard, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44. Ye have heard, meaning this is what you used to, this is what the law was. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Notice there are three words here that are action words. Many, the, the, the Satan in the world has, has done a great job in twisting the idea of what love is. Love is not a funny feeling that you get inside when you see your wife or your girlfriend or, or somebody pretty walk, walking uh, through the door, right? And that's not a funny feeling. It isn't this, 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 uh, uh, this uh, out-of-body experience. Love is action. Absolutely action. Because I can say that I love you all I want, but my actions can prove otherwise. The Bible says that we're not to love in word or deed, but in, 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 not to love in word or tongue, but in deed and in truth. First John 
chapter 3. We, we, need, to, we need to make sure that, 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 that we don't have the, this, the world's understanding of what love is when we're looking at this passage. Jesus raised, the, raised that, that, that bar as we look at Matthew chapter 5. And he says, he says in verse 44, love your enemies, bless them that curse you. What does it mean to bless somebody? It means to, to speak good of them, to seek God's, God's grace in their lives. But, but they're, they're my enemy. <laughs> I should be able to be angry at them and hate them. No, you're to love them. You're to bless them. You're to pray for them. You're to do good unto them. Why? Because of the love that Jesus showed you. So he's, he's raising the standard uh, in, this, in this, uh, this passage. This is a new commandment that I've given to you. It's, it's, yes, you've been commanded to love before, but now you're commanded not just to love the, 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 your neighbors and your, your, your enemies, and, but you're to love one another. Who's he talking to? The children of God. There's, there is to be a greater love between the children of God than there is for love in the world. And we are to love the world more than we do now. There is, there is something that binds us together as the children of God, that is the Spirit of God that dwells within us. The minute somebody is saved, we are, that person enters into our family. Listen, I love my wife. I love my family. I love my parents. I, I, I love that family. But there's something even, as much as I love them, there's something more that binds us together in the Spirit of God that should cause us to love one another. Amen. Not in word or tongue. Look over to John chapter 3 with me, if you would. I'm certainly getting ahead of myself with this, but... It's the way the Lord's leading me to do it. So, forget my notes. First John chapter three. Look at verse sixteen. Hereby perceive we the love of God. First John three sixteen. Sorry, did I say John three? I apologize. First John 3. Same author. They both talk about the love of God. <laughs> and how we can perceive the love of God, honestly. For God loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son. Hereby we perceive the love of God, because he what? Laid down his life for us. Now notice this next part. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. According, in, uh, I'm way ahead of myself, but you go back there. Don't don't leave this yet. We're not we're not gone. But go back there in John chapter 13. It says we're to love them like Christ loved us. He laid down his life for us. We're to lay down our lives. For the brethren, this is the standard that's been given to us. We're not just to, to bless them. We're not just to, to pray for them. We're not just to do good unto them. We are to lay down our lives for one another. We are to, to hum, humble ourselves and, and submit, willingly give ourselves for one another. Why? Because we're to love them. Going on in verse 6 or 17, but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother hath need, 
shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? What's, what, what is, this, is, this is the picture. This is, in, in, in layman's terms, and make it, make it all easy for you, if Joe Schmo over here is a, is a brother in Christ, uh, uh, has a need, uh, his car has broken down, his, his rent's due, and he, and he well, as much as he has tried and done his best, uh, he has a doctor bill, whatever it is, something has come up and he's unable to take care of that. His family's hungry and he's doing the best that he can. And you see the need. And you have the ability within your bank account, you have the ability to, to or within your, what, what you have, to, to take care of that need. And you don't. The Bible says you, you close up your bowels of compassion. You see it, you say, man, I really feel bad for that guy's need, but this is mine. The Bible says, how dwell the love of God in him? Why? Because we are to love one another so much so that we will lay down our lives for one another. Now that does not mean that, that anybody that comes in here and says, oh, I'm just going to sit here and you guys can pay all my bills. That is not Christianity at all. The Bible says that he who won't work won't eat. There are some other principles that take place here, but I want you to see if, if we see a need and we refuse to deal with it in a brother in Christ, the Bible says, how dwell? This is a sign of whether or not we're saved. That's what he's saying there. He says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. He said, this is how we're going to know because we can see this truth. This first John was written so that we might know that we have eternal life. And it was written to Christians because guess what? Sometimes we, we question our salvation. Has anybody in here ever questioned your salvation? I have. God has given us, John gave us, this is, listen, if you're questioning your salvation, you can look at these truths, and this is only one of them, by the way, and you can see if your life lines up with this book, and if it doesn't, then, then we might begin to question and wonder. And Because, listen, Satan will throw things in our hearts and our minds and make us wonder. Listen, you can go through this and you can study it and say, okay, I can see, yes, I, man, I love the brethren. Yeah, yeah, I would give them, I would lay down my life for the brethren. I have laid down my life for the brethren. You say, okay, hereby we assure ourselves. Verse 24, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. I'm grateful that even though sometimes I don't feel like I'm saved, God is greater than me and can remind me of what he's done in my life. He is greater than my heart. He is greater than the condemnation that I can bring upon myself. Because Romans chapter 8 tells me there is, no, there is therefore now no condemnation. I stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And I praise God for that. But Jesus said, love one another. We see it's a raised standard. He's changed the standard that we, uh, that back, there in first, or back there in John chapter, John chapter 13. Not only do we see a race standard, but it's the right person who's giving this command. Listen, I can command you to love one another, and what authority do I have? Is it, uh, this command isn't from, from me. This command was from Jesus. Now think about the one who's saying this. He, he is the only one who is rightfully able to command us. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all the universe. If you call him Lord and Master, you have said that he is the, he is the authority in my life. He is the one who said, love your neighbor. Not me. 
See, it's, it's not because it's, it's biblical tradition that we're supposed to do this. It's not because we're trying to, to, to build up our church or make our church feel good about it. It isn't about the feel-good thing that comes from all this. It's because God's word has told us that this is what we're supposed to be. That we're to love one another. And notice it's not a suggestion. When I was a kid, my dad would suggest that, he, that I was to mow the lawn. No, he would tell me he wanted me to mow the lawn. It was a command. I may have treated it like a suggestion. But there's a difference. And sometimes we treat God's word as a suggestion. This is not a suggestion. A new commandment I give unto you. He's commanding us that we love one another. Not only is he a rightful speaker, but now we're a responsible servant. If, 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 if God is the one who is in control, if he is the one who, who, who you claim has the authority over your life, when he gives you a command, you should say, how high? How, how, how high should I jump? How fast should I run? Where do you want me to put this? And what, can I, what else can I do for you, sir? Why? Because he's our king of kings and lord of lords. He's God of all creation. But how many times... Does God tell us something? And we hem and haw? If you have kids, you know what it's like to have a, ch- a child who's, uh, especially a young child, who is trying to test that authority line. Every child goes through it. I'm not going to pick out which, which one of my children, this, the, which child this is about, but... <laughs> Sometime in, in our years of parenthood, and it may have been recently, it may not have been, it may have been years ago, sometime, and <laughs> I may have heard my wife say, you need to come spank this child. Well, why, what's going on? I told him to do this five times, and he said, no, I won't do anything you say ever again. <laughs> okay, let's deal with that. We, we laugh. We laugh. But how many times do we do the same thing with the Word of God? How many times do we neglect it, we put it off the side, okay, yeah, 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 I I know I'm supposed to do this, I'll do my best. A new commandment I give you. God's given us this new command. Next, next we see not only is it, is, is it a command, but we see a, a, the copied example uh, that, that we have in Jesus. It says, it says a, a new commandment that I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That, that's important. But it's, it's not how, how you feel. You're to love somebody as much as you have in you. You're to love them. No, it's not as much as you have in you. It's what Christ did for you. You're to love them just like that. So you go back into, into to, to just the, the example that, that, that he gave them of service in the washing of their feet. And, and, and look, and look, he, listen, that was, a, that was service out of love. He was, the, he was their Lord and Master. He's been, he's been their teacher. Uh, and they followed him for three and a half years. And he's the one washing their feet. He did it without being asked. Why? Because he loved them. Nobody had to come along and say, you know, I wish there had been somebody here to wash our feet. We, sh- we should have thought about that. They didn't look at, before, when Judas left, they didn't say, well, you know, when, 
You know, we should have thought about Judas doing this before he left. We, uh, no, we, 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 Jesus did it. They, they, they didn't fight over who was the least that was going to wash the feet. They all fight over who was going to be the greatest. Uh, but, but nobody thought about it except for Jesus. And Jesus humbled himself to serve. Can I tell you that service is a humbling experience? Sometimes people are, like to be in the spotlight and they'll look for ways to get them in the spotlight and they'll serve just to be in the spotlight. I'll do this. But they might say, you see me doing this? Hello? I'm over here. And they don't really do that, but they kind of do that. Jesus didn't do that. But we see as the top example. He says, as I have loved you, How did Jesus love us? Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sin. How did he love us? He gave himself for us. Just like we're to give ourselves for one another. We see his example the supreme manner in which he did it, unsolicited, it didn't have to be asked. It was unconditional. There were no strings attached. He didn't say, I want to wash your feet, but then you're going to do this for me. I, I, I love you as long as you can, you got something that can help me. I, I love you because, because there's, there are things about you that, that benefit me. Or maybe it's, I love you because you're a brother and sister in Christ. That's what it's supposed to be. Unconditional love was what Christ had for us. It was unselfish. It was in humility. But there was also a spiritual motivation. Look over First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. Two verses here, verses 10 and verse 17. Verse 10 says this, Here is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. The spiritual motivation here is that we're to follow the example of Christ. We are to be in this world like he is. We are to love our brethren like he loved the brethren. We're to love the world like he loved. We're to serve like he served. We're to give our lives like he gave his life. Listen, we need to be very careful about, about who it is and how it is we love. And the Bible says we are to love everyone. Not a certain specific person. How do you think Jesus felt when he washed Judas' feet? Because he knew what Judas was about to do. How do you, how do you think he felt washing Peter's feet? And the, the loudmouth said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And then he said, well, then wash my head and my hands and my feet. and Wash me all over. When he knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. In fact, he washed all of their feet knowing that they were all going to run away. At the most crucial time 
You did it. Let's just be, let's just be real. We don't like everybody. Is there anybody here that, that, that will willingly say, I don't like everybody? Now, you don't have to point to the person you don't like. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. Sometimes there are things about people's mannerisms or the way they, they, they talk or they act or that the, the just kind of rub us the wrong way. Sometimes we might think they're a little weird. That's okay. Jesus didn't say you have to like everybody. He did say you have to love everybody. And can I say one of the problems is many times we'll, we'll say I'll love you from a distance because I don't want to have to have anything to do with you so you stay over there and I'll love you from over here, here, here. But when we hold people over there, do you know what we see? Those idiosyncrasies and those things that, that drive us crazy, those things that just rub us the wrong way, and that's all that we see. But when we draw those people close to ourselves, you know what we see? The Spirit of God in them that causes us to love them. Can I tell you, we are not to push people away because we don't like them. We are to love them. Can, can I just say this? We are the worst people at it. Let's just be honest. Let's, 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 let's be completely honest. We all struggle with this. Well, they're not Baptists. Does everybody that's saved go to a Baptist church? I think if that's what you think, you're going to be surprised when you get to heaven. No, we're Baptists for a reason. I'm not trying to slander slander what we believe, but that we don't hold a we don't hold a, a, a the, we don't hold the key to heaven that nobody else has. That key is Jesus, not Baptists. Well, they don't dress like I do. There's a whole lot of people that dress better than we do, more conservatively than we do, that aren't going to heaven. The Amish believe in, in the work salvation. I've never seen anybody dress more conservatively than the Amish. It's not about that. It's not about tattoos. It's not about the way that we talk. It's not about any of those things. Instead of pushing people away, we're to love them. We're to love them like Christ loved us. We are to be like Christ was in the world. That's how the love of Christ is perfected in us. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, that's talking about us, Christians, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. 
Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. What's the ministry of reconciliation mean? Bringing other people to Christ. How do we do that? Through love. It's interesting. Paul says, I become all things to all men. He was willing to, to, to not, it didn't mean he would become a sinner, uh, become a worse sinner. To, uh, so you don't go, don't go out and get tattoos and, and, and start to drink so you can get the people at the bars to, to come in. That's not what, that's not what he's saying. Uh, he, but he would, uh, especially dealing with the Jews and the Gentiles, uh, uh, he knew that there were some things that the Jews wouldn't do that the Gentiles did do. And, and so uh, he was, he, he, the Jews didn't do it because of the law, but were not under the law anymore. So he would eat those meats that were offered idols because he knew that in the end that was nothing. But circumcision was a big thing back then. And if you remember in Acts chapter 15, they, they, were, there were certain men that had come uh, to, to where Paul was and they were teaching that you had to be circumcised to be saved. And Paul withstood them to the face. They got into arguments about this. And they all decided, because this was a, uh, this was a, a wide problem, they all went back to Jerusalem and they had a convention with all the apostles and said, okay, let's come to an understanding of what, are we saved by faith or are we saved by works? And what did they come, come away with? They were saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That it was the circumcision of the heart, not the circumcision of the flesh. It's, it's what Christ did in our hearts, not what we do to our bodies that saved us. And he went to go on his second missionary journey. And he picks up a young man named Timothy. Ever read the book of Timothy? First and second Timothy? That's him. And he, Timothy was a, a Greek. His, his father was a Greek. And guess what? Timothy wasn't circumcised. So what, did, what is the first thing that Paul told Timothy as an adult male to do? And any of you adults know what I'm about to say and how painful it would be. He told him to, get, to be circumcised. Because there would be people that they would be offended that he wasn't. That they're trying to reach. Can I, can I tell you that, that, that we need to be willing to put aside our rights it's my right to do this. I have every right. Listen, Jesus said it's not about our rights. He gave his whole life for us. I have no rights. I am under my command and Savior, my command and master, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that tells me I am to love all of you. I am to love all of you. Unselfishly, unconditionally, without, without needing to be asked. There's a spiritual motivation. I do this. Why? Because Christ loved me and his love for me constrains me to give my all for him. I become a new creature and I set all those other things aside and, and now I, I follow after him and try to reconcile other people to him through the same love that he reconciled me to. Listen, we're to love one another. We're, 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 we're to do that because God loved us. Back to John chapter 13, we see the, example, the, 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 the command that's given to us, the, the example that, uh, that Christ showed for us, and now uh, a, a, a confirming execution of what we're supposed to do. Uh, it says there in uh, verse uh, 
35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. There's a, a distinct action. Something's got to take place that changes in our behavior. Because the truth is, I've said this before, our belief affects our behavior. If we truly love one another, it's going to affect how we treat one another. He says, by this, they will know that you love one another, that ye are my disciples. Listen, if nothing changes in the way that you treat one another, if you never, uh, if you never ex exemplify that love of Christ for them, uh, through you, how is the world going to know? People are, just because you wear a John 3.16 t-shirt does not show that you're a Christian. I, just because if you're a football player and it says John 3.16 under their eyes in the black, doesn't make him a Christian. If you have a fish symbol on the back of your car, can I tell you, that doesn't make you a Christian. If you, have a, 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 if you have a Bible verse etched into your arm with a tattoo gun, guess what? That doesn't make you a Christian. If, if, if the world doesn't see that and say, aha, now I know. You know how the world knows that you're a Christian? By your love for one another. It isn't because you say so. It isn't because you should proclaim it. It's because you live it. Well, now you're just getting, stepping all over my toes. Hey, me. <laughs> it's Jesus step all, stepping all over all of our toes. I'm preaching this for you, just for me, just as much as I am for you. We're to love one another. There's a, a distinct action by this. There's a discerning audience. There are, there are people that are watching. And can I tell you, they are not fooled. They're not fooled by the things that we say by the, by, because they see us. When we don't think they're looking, they see us. They see us when we don't go to church. And they say, aha, I knew they weren't a Christian. They see us when we fight with our, with our spouses. Aha, I knew they weren't a Christian. They see us when we yell at our kids. They're just like me. Hypocrites. Do you know why we have such a difficult time getting the gospel out to the world? Because the world has been watching the church for a very long time. And they have not been seeing the love of Christ. They, 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 they've heard the gospel. They, all, they, they know the Christmas, the, the Christmas story. Now, now that doesn't mean not, that there's not people out there that haven't heard the gospel. But they know the story. At least some semblance of it. But they're watching you. And they see you, even when you don't know they're, they're watching. It says, by this, all men know. The love of Christ, our love for one another, is the, the symbol by which all men, the sign by which all men know that we're a follower of Jesus Christ. And when they see that, they know that we're his. They know that we're his. That's what it says. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. It isn't because you carry a big Bible. 
Is it because you, you pass out tracts? Though those are all good things. I'm not trying to knock any of those things. Is it because you dress a certain way? It's because of your love for one another. And here's, I guess, what it comes down to for, for all of us is this. This last phrase, and really only one word of it, but it's by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if you have love one to another. If. So I, I, I do my best. I'm doing my best, Pastor. I, 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 I'm trying to love everybody, but you don't, you, you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know uh, just how strange they are. You'd be surprised. <laughs> to be honest, we're all strange. We all got our quirks. Don't get so high and mighty on your horse that you think you're normal. There is no normal. We're all a little, we're all a little weird, and, and that's okay. We all have our, we all have our history and our pasts, our scars and things that we wish we could take back and and not do again, and 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 and, and ways that we were raised and, and and things that we went through that affected us that we can't help. So instead of focusing on all of those little things, maybe we can get beyond that and love people like Christ loved them. No matter how much it hurt us, I can't imagine how much it hurt Christ to look up in the eyes of Judas. But he did it, and he served him, and he loved him. Here's a question for you today. Don't raise your hands. You need to work on your love for others. How you treat them. Not, word, not in word or tongue. What that means is not in what you say or how you say it. It's not about how we talk to one another. It's deed and in truth. It's in what we do with one another and what we do for one another. Sometimes sometimes we have to share some hard truth. But as long as we do it in love, it, it takes the edge off of the hardness, the sharpness. Sometimes we just need to stop holding people off away from us and have a relationship. Maybe invite him over to our house. At the very least, are you praying for him? Are you blessing him? Are you doing good unto them? Because that's what we're supposed to do to our enemies. How are we treating one another in the love of Christ? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would have your way with the rest of the service. Yes, it's in Jesus' name. Heads bowed.